Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time here with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show on blogtalkradio.com. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of September 10th, 2017, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, the first Sunday of the 2017 NFL season is nearly in the books. We had some solid games on tap for today, of course. The schedule was one game short due to the fact that the game between the Miami Dolphins and Tampa Bay Buccaneers was postponed due to the severity of Hurricane Irma that is striking down on Florida. And you hope that all little folks down there are safe and sound and they are able to survive this storm. And, you know, we had some wonderful games on tap today. And I want to get things started off with the big win in the NFC as you had the Green Bay Packers hosting the Seattle Seahawks. And typically when these two teams get together, it's a big game with a lot on the line. And that was no different today as both of these clubs wanted to get the 2017 season started on the right foot. And, of course, this game was highlighted by the Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks, of course, Aaron Rodgers for Green Bay and Russell Wilson for Seattle. But it was all about the defense in this one as Seattle took a 3-0 lead to the locker room at the half. Green Bay got the got the real scoring going early in the third quarter when Ty Montgomery scored from six yards out to give them the 7-3 lead. It was 7-6 in favor of Green Bay late in the third quarter when Rodgers connected with his BFF at wide receiver, and I'm talking about Jordy Nelson from 32 yards out to give Green Bay the 14-6 to lead. Seattle would drive several times, but this Packers defense was stingy throughout the day, and thus Seattle would fall on the road to the Packers today by the score of 17-9. to And for Packers head coach, uh, pardon me, for Packers defensive coordinator Dom Capers, he really hit a home run in this contest. And the reason why I say it is this. Seattle was limited to just 225 yards of total offense while they were only 3 of 12 on third down today. The Seahawks talked about looking to improve their running game this season as they brought in former Packers running back Eddie Lacy. And upon his return to Lambeau Field, Lacy was limited to just three yards on five carries. On the day, Russell Wilson was 14 of 27 for a buck 58, while he was sacked three times. On the flip side, Aaron Rodgers was 28 of 42 passing for 311 yards with one TD and a pick, and he was sacked four times by the Seahawks defense. But I'll tell you like this. I know that some people give Russell Wilson a ton of credit for being a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. 
He's probably the closest thing to a point guard at the quarterback position that we currently have in the NFL. And the Seahawks are a team that they definitely need balance on that side of the football in order for them to be effective. But credit to the Packers. They really stuffed them at the line of scrimmage. They never let Lacey or any of the other Seahawks runners get any continuity or any cohesion uh, this afternoon, and subsequently they fell short. Now, for Seattle, like I said, this was a battle of the heavyweights in the NFC, and, you know, you knew somebody had to win and you knew that somebody had to lose, and unfortunately for the Seahawks, they have to take that long flight back to the Pacific Northwest losers of their season opener but for Green Bay it was a great way to start the season and there's a big possibility that we could see these two teams meet come January in the postseason now heading into next Sunday Green Bay will be on the road on Sunday night for the home opener of the Atlanta Falcons at Mercedes-Benz Stadium while Seattle will be at home to host the San Francisco 49ers another West Coast team made the trek east today as it was the Oakland Raiders. And, of course, we might not be calling, we won't be calling them the Oakland Raiders for that much longer as they travel to Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans. And the Raiders are coming into the season fresh off of a postseason berth for the first time since 2002, and they are looking to make it two years in a row that they were able to make the playoffs. Now, it did not take the Raiders that long to score, this season as on their opening drive they were able to put together a four-play 50-yard drive which is capped off when quarterback Derek Carr found wide receiver Amari Cooper from eight yards out to give the Raiders their early seven to nothing advantage now Tennessee would immediately respond by putting together a 12-play 75-yard drive that was capped off when quarterback Marcus Mariota called his own number and punched it in from 10 yards out these two teams would shape to a trade field goals for the remainder of the first half, and Oakland would take the 13-10 lead into the dressing room. Now, it was 16-13 in favor of the Raiders going into the fourth quarter when they put together a drive that would ultimately seal the game, and it was capped off when Carr, when Carr found Seth Roberts from 19 yards out to give Oakland a 23-13 lead, and the Raiders would go on to win this afternoon by the score of 26-16. to And looking inside of the numbers in this contest, Carr was 22 of 32 passing today for 262 yards with two TDs and no picks while he was sacked twice. His counterpart and Mariota was 25 of 41 passing for 256 yards with no TDs and a sack, while the Raiders really got the ground game going with veteran running back Marshawn Lynch as he had 76 yards on on 18 carries, rather, while Michael Crabtree uh, chipped in with six receptions for 83 yards, and Amari Cooper had five receptions for 62 yards and, of course, that TD. And Marshawn Lynch is going to be a big factor for this Raiders team this season because he gives them some balance at the running running back position, and I think he still has something to prove. Of course, we know that Lynch retired last season. He set out the entire 2016 NFL season uh, as a member of the Seattle Seahawks, but he has bounced back, and I think he has something to prove not only to himself but also to his, his detractors 
in the NFL that, you know what, I can still go out there and I can get the job done and I can be effective. I don't think at this point of his career that Marshawn Lynch is going to be a guy that will consistently get you 100 yards per game, but he is going to be a guy that can still be effective in this offense. And I think that Jack Del Rio, the Raiders head coach, is going to do a solid job this season as far as providing uh, balance for his team. For the Tennessee Titans, they're looking to take that next step. They were 9-7 and seven last year. They finished tied with the, Houston, with the Houston Texans for first place in the AFC South. However, tiebreaker to Houston due to the fact that the Texans went 5-1 and one within the AFC South while Tennessee was just 2-4. and four. And for the Titans and head coach Mike Malarkey, these are the kind of games that they need to win in order to take that next step and be a playoff team against a team that made the playoffs last year at home. You want to try to start off on the right foot. Unfortunately for the Titans, that was not the case today as they fell at home to the silver and black. Now, looking ahead to week number two for both of these clubs, Oakland will have their season opener, and it's going to be interesting for this one as they're going to host the New York Jets, while Tennessee will find themselves next week in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers came into this season as the defending AFC North champions, and they were very close to making the Super Bowl last year as they reached the AFC championship game, and they fell short to the New England Patriots. And for Pittsburgh, this could be a make-or-break year because I really believe that this is probably going to be it for quarterback Ben Roethlisberger as he flirted with the notion of retiring this season. So Pittsburgh definitely has to be all in heading into this season and a big part of that is them taking care of business against teams who they who are they are supposed to and today Pittsburgh found themselves traveling on the road to take on the Cleveland Browns a team who they were heavily favored to defeat and it looked like at first that it was going to be a cakewalk for the Pittsburgh Steelers as Anthony Ciccolo block or return the block punt and be scooped it up in the end zone to give Pittsburgh the early 7 to nothing advantage. But credit to the young Browns as they would bounce back as rookie quarterback Deshaun Kaiser scored on a one-yard run to not the score at seven apiece late in the first quarter. And this capped off a 12-play, 68-yard drive. But just before the first half ended, Roethlisberger and the Steelers put together a seven-play, 91-yard drive that was capped off when he connected with tight end outlaw Jesse James from four yards out to give Pittsburgh the 14 to seven advantage at the half. It was 14 to 10 in favor of Pittsburgh late in the third quarter when Roethlisberger found Jesse James again, this time from two yards out to make it 21 to 10, but the pesky Browns would not go away. And late in the fourth quarter, Kaiser would connect on his first NFL touchdown pass when he found wide receiver Corey Coleman from three yards out to make it 21-16. to Isaiah Crowell would score on the two-point conversion to make it 21-18. to However, defensively, the Browns could not make the big plays. They could not stop the Steelers, and subsequently, Pittsburgh would hold on to the ball. They would make the key plays. Ben Roethlisberger found wide receiver Antonio Brown for a huge catch to ice the game. 
and the Steelers would get out of Cleveland with the hard-earned 21-18 to victory. And in spite of the victory, Pittsburgh has a lot of things to clean up. 13 penalties today for 144 yards. That is not going to cut it. You can get away with that with, against the likes of the Cleveland Browns, but once you play the big boys of the league, that is definitely not going to get it done. Looking inside of the numbers, for Ben Roethlisberger, he was 24 of 36 passing for 263 yards with two TDs and a pick, while Deshaun Kaiser in his first game was 20 of 30 for 222 yards with a TD and a pick. But this Steelers defense, led by rookie T.J. Watt, really – teed off on him as they sacked him seven times. Le'Veon Bell in his first action after ending his holdout had a pedestrian-like day as he only had 10 carries for 32 yards. But Antonio Brown, there's that name again. And for all of those folks out there who play fantasy football, he stepped up today as he had 11 receptions for 182 yards. And you can't forget about Jesse James as he had six receptions for 41 yards and I'll tell you like this for Pittsburgh these are the kind of games that you know they were giving away last year and they flirted with that notion of giving it away this year again and if you're Pittsburgh you know that you had to go on to the road last year and face the New England Patriots in that AFC championship game you did not have a first round bye you have to take care of your business I mean New England lost their first game the other night to Kansas City. So any opportunity that you have to get a leg up on those guys, you really want to go out there and take advantage of it. And Pittsburgh, they were able to find a way to get it done in Cleveland today. And for the young Browns, it's just like last year. They played hard. They played tough. But they simply could not make enough plays to get them over the hump. And that is the difference. That is what the Browns need to do if they are going to try to find a way to win games here in 2017. Remember, this club was only 1-15 last year, and it does not take that much for a young team like the Browns to really lose focus and, more importantly, lose their confidence. Now, for week number two, Cleveland will be on the road against another AFC North foe. This time they'll face the Baltimore Ravens, while Pittsburgh will have their home opener against the Minnesota Vikings. Now, you had a team in the Carolina Panthers that entered this season looking to bounce back. Of course, Carolina was so dominant in 2015 as they finished the year with a record of 15-1 and en route to winning the NFC Championship. However, things really came apart at the seams last year for the Panthers as they were only 6-10, and and the team that kept finding a way to win games in 2015 was only finding ways to lose games last year. But Carolina found themselves beginning this season on the road against the San Francisco 49ers, and it did not take the Panthers that long to get it going as late in the first quarter. Quarterback Cam Newton connected with Russell Shepard for 40 yards out to give Carolina the early 7 to nothing advantage. And after a pair of Graham Gano field goals gave Carolina the 13 to nothing lead at the half, they really put this game on ice early on in the third quarter when Cam Newton found running back Jonathan Stewart from nine yards out to give the Panthers the 20 to nothing lead, and Carolina would go on to cruise to the victory this afternoon by the score of 23-3. to It was a pedestrian-like day on offense 
for Carolina as they were limited to 287 yards. However, they possessed the ball for more than 34 minutes while their defense limited the San Francisco 49ers to just 217 yards of total offense. The 49ers didn't do themselves any favors as they committed 10 penalties today, and that is never going to get it done. Cam Newton did not have a big game as he had he was 14 or 25 passing for a buck 71 with two TDs and a pick. However, the uh, Carolina Panthers did have 116 yards on the ground, and it's all about balance for this team. And I'll tell you like this for Carolina. This is a team that I, I, I think they could be dangerous this year because you look at what they did in the first round of the draft by bringing in a guy like Christian McCaffrey, and on top of that, this is how they got started in 2015. They flew under the radar, and they started picking up wins, and they started picking up steam, and before you knew it, the Carolina Express got going, and I think you have the potential for that this season. Now, on the flip side for the San Francisco 49ers, this is a rebuilding year in every aspect of the term. The Niners have a new general manager in John Lynch, and, of course, they have a new head coach in Kyle Shanahan, and they are just attempting to get the pieces together to kind of get San Francisco back on the right track. So the main thing for the 49ers to try to do this year is compete. They really did not do that today, and they have 15 more opportunities this season to get it done. Now, looking ahead to week number two for both of these clubs, Carolina will be at home for their home opener as they will host the Buffalo Bills, while the Niners will make the trek to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 231 I repeat, 626 231 Now you had the Atlanta Falcons who enter this season as the defending NFC champions. And you know and I know that very easily we could talk, be talking about the Atlanta Falcons as the defending Super Bowl champions as they blew that 25-point second-half lead in Super Bowl number 51 this past February. And a lot of people, myself included, expected the Panther, pardon me, the Falcons rather, to enter this year with a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. But the Falcons simply have to go out there and show their resiliency if they are going to be able to get back to the postseason this year. Atlanta begins their trek back uh, this afternoon by taking on the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field in Chicago. And you look at this game, the Falcons struggled a lot early, and the, and the Bears played them tough. And, you know, it was just a 10-10 game at the half. And, you know, no matter what Atlanta did throughout this afternoon, they simply could not shake the Chicago Bears, and even at the end, Chicago had an opportunity to win. It was 23-17 to 17 in favor of Atlanta. Chicago was driving with quarterback Sean Mike Glennon, rather, and they got down inside of the Falcons' five-yard line, but they simply could not punch it in due to several drop passes by Bears receivers and backs, and Atlanta would hold on today by the skin of their teeth to win by the score of 23-17. And I think this was an important victory for Atlanta. It wasn't a pretty game at times for them as they had eight penalties today. You look at quarterback Matt Ryan, he did have a solid game as he was 21 of 30 for 321 yards 
Atlanta simply was unable to run the football, did find a way to limit Mike Glennon to just 26 or 40 passing for 213 yards with a TD while they did produce four sacks on him. But if you're the Falcons, you needed this victory. It's your first time back on the field since Super Bowl 51. You've heard what everybody has said to you for the entire offseason. And you went out there and you made enough plays and you found a way to make it happen. And that was the biggest thing for the Falcons today. They simply went out there and they found a way to make it happen. And for the, for the Chicago Bears, this is a young team. This is another squad that is rebuilding. This was a good time for them to try to find a way to get a victory and get some confidence off of that. However, for the Bears, they fell short of that as they lost to the better team. Now, looking ahead to week number two for both of these clubs, Atlanta will open up their new stadium. When I'm talking about Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the ATL as they will host the Green Bay Packers, while Chicago will find themselves in week number two on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, in western New York today, it was a battle of AFC East foes with first place in the division on the line as you had the New York Jets traveling to take on the Buffalo Bills. And if you look at the first quarter of this game, to me, I think it was a microcosm of things to come for the Jets this season. They forced an interception in the end zone of Bills quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Defensive back was running it out. He got about halfway down the field and got tackled by his own guy. That's all you need to know. So the Jets, unfortunately, were unable to capitalize right after that. They were three and out. They gave the ball right back to the Bills who put together a 12-play, 77-yard drive, which is capped off by a one-yard run from Taylor to give them the 7 to nothing lead. The Jets kept it close as they were only down 7-6 to six at the half, and they still had an opportunity late in the game. It was 7-6 to six in the third quarter when Taylor found Andre Holmes for one yard out to make it 14-6. to six. New York would respond by putting together an 11-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off by a one-yard run quarterback Josh McCown but the Jets went for the two-point conversion and they were unsuccessful but Buffalo would put this game away early in the fourth quarter when they put together a nine-play 80-yard drive which was capped off by a one-yard run from Mike Tolbert and Buffalo would go on to win this game today by the score of 21 to 12. Buffalo really dominated the total yards aspect in this game but they simply could not put the Jets away Buffalo had 408 yards of total offense to just 214 for New York. And you look at the Jets, this was an opportunity for them to win, and unfortunately they came up short. And like a lot of people, myself included, expect the Jets to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this season, and they lived up to that moniker today. Josh McCown was 26-39 passing for just 187 yards with no TDs and two picks. The Jets only were able to muster 38 yards of rushing, while Buffalo had 190 yards of rushing, including the 110 that came from veteran running back LaShawn McCoy. Tyrod Taylor was 16-28 passing for 224 with two TDs and one pick, while Jordan Matthews had two receptions for 61 yards. And if you're the Buffalo Bills, more than likely you're going to be looking up in the standings at the New England Patriots for the majority of the season. I know that the Patriots lost their home opener the other night to the Chiefs, but you can expect that to change sooner rather than later as far as New England getting on track. And for the Jets, 
this has the makings of a very long season for them. And any opportunity like they had today to get or steal a victory, they needed or needed and still need to take advantage of. Now, looking ahead to week number two for both of these clubs, Buffalo will be on the road in Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers, while the New York Jets will find themselves on the road against the Oakland Raiders. Folks, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, in a battle of AFC North foes, you had the Baltimore Ravens traveling to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. And since 2010, both of these teams are perennial playoff clubs. However, both of them missed the postseason in 2016, and they were looking to get back on track. But it was a Baltimore defense that really slammed the door on this Cincinnati offense today, and they shut them down. They limited Cincinnati to 221 yards of total offense. Baltimore possessed the football today for 34 minutes, and they also forced five Bengals turnovers and en route to a 20 to nothing victory. Cincinnati committed nine penalties today for 66 yards, but Baltimore outdid them with 11 penalties for 85. However, the biggest factor in this game, Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton, 16 of 31 passing for a buck 70, no TDs, four picks, and he was sacked five times. Ouch. And I, Andy, Andy Dalton has his fair share of critics and then some. This game right here is did not make it better. And you look at Andy Dalton ever since Jay Gruden took the job as the Washington Redskins head coach. And, of course, Jay Gruden was the former Bengals offensive coordinator. You also had Hugh Jackson in that mix as the Bengals offensive coordinator after Gruden left. And ever since then, you look at the numbers of Andy Dalton – Plain and simple, they are not good. And for anybody who had the Baltimore defense today, they really made out good because five sacks, two of those coming from Terrell Suggs, you shut down what has the potential to be a solid offense. And for Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis, this guy already entered this season needing a contract extension, did not get off on the right foot. Now, for the Baltimore Ravens, this is just an organization. They go out there and they find ways to win. An aging team, you know, a lot a lot of their first-round picks have really not stepped up and made it happen recently. You look at Joe Flacco, he's dealing with his injuries at quarterback, but yet and still you went out there and you found a way to win today. And that's what it's all about in this National Football League, going out there and winning, and that's what the Ravens were able to do. And, they're, and because of that, they were able to get their season started on the right foot. Now, looking to week number two for both of these clubs, it's going to be a very short week for Cincinnati as they will be at home once again this Thursday to host the Houston Texans, while Baltimore will have their home opener next Sunday afternoon against the Cleveland Browns. Now, out in Los Angeles, you had the Rams hosting the Indianapolis Colts, and most of us expected the Rams to win this game. Why? Because the Colts did not have the services of quarterback Andrew Luck. And St. Louis, pardon me, Los Angeles, rather, stepped up and really made this a no contest early. It was 3 nothing in favor of L.A. in the first quarter 
when Tremaine Johnson picked off Colts quarterback Scott Tolzien and, reser- and returned it 39 yards for the touchdown to give the Rams the 10 to nothing lead. It was 10 to 3 early in the second quarter in favor of LA when running back Todd Gurley punched it in from 5 yards out to give them the 17 to 3 lead. The floodgates at this point then opened up for the Rams as quarterback Jared Goff found Cooper Cup from 18 yards out to give them the 24 to 3 lead. It was 30 to 3 midway through the third quarter when this game was officially put on ice, when cornerback uh, LaMarcus Joyner intercepted a pass and returned it 29 yards for the score to make it 37-3, to and thus L.A. would go on to have a big, and I mean big victory today over the Colts by the score of 46-9. to This Rams defense under new defensive coordinator Wade Phillips made a splash today. They forced three turnovers. They limited this Colts offense to just 25 and a half minutes of possession while Indianapolis was only able to muster 225 yards of total offense. You also look inside of the numbers. Indy was 0 of 10 on third down. Plain and simple, that's not going to get it done. Scott Tolzien was 9 of 18 passing for a buck 28 with no TDs and two picks while he was sacked four times before making way for Jacoby Brissett. Jared Goff, the former number one overall pick, was 21 of 39 passing for 306 yards with one TD and no interceptions. And this was a big-time win for this Rams team. Of course, Aaron Donald ended his holdout, but he was not available for this contest for uh, the Rams, but you look at it, and I think they still were able to go out there and make a statement. Granted, you were playing an Indianapolis Colts team without Andrew Luck. I totally get that. But if you were the Rams, you were only 4-12 and last year, and at times the Rams simply did not compete. And I think this was big for first-year head coach Sean McVay to come in and get a victory. More importantly, it was also it was also good for him to be on the same page with his young quarterback in Jared Goff. And this afternoon, Jared Goff showed confidence that he didn't show last year and he didn't have last year for the for the better part. So thus, I think it was very important for the Rams to get that victory at home, get the season started on the right foot, as they're going to look to build some momentum off of this going forward. Now, on the flip side for the Indianapolis Colts, it's the same old song. Just like it was before when Peyton Manning was a starting quarterback, this team just relies, or this organization matter rather, relies too much on their franchise quarterbacks to do everything. You go back to 2011 when Peyton Manning wasn't there, what happened? The Colts went from a perennial Super Bowl contender to barely going 2-14. Two, two and 14. You look at the Colts today without Andrew Luck, without one guy. The running backs couldn't run the football. The receivers could not hold on to the football. The defense could not stop anybody. And I think that is a recipe for disaster. I think double-digit law that this is going to be a double-digit loss season for the Colts. And I don't know what to say about this organization. They have not drafted well in a very long time. They lucked out in getting Andrew Luck because he was the first overall pick, and it was really hard to mess that up. But what good is having a guy with the talent of Andrew Luck 
if you're not going to put a team around them because that that's what that's what we are seeing right now. And in actuality, all they are simply going to do is ruin this kid going forward. Now, looking ahead to week number two, Indianapolis will be at home to host the Arizona Cardinals, while the Rams will find themselves in week number two at home once again. This time, they will face the Washington Redskins. And speaking of those Redskins, they were at home today in an NFC East showdown as they were taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of these teams missed the playoffs last year. Philly was in last place in the NFC East. However, this was a squad that did find a way to go 7-9 and nine with a rookie quarterback in Carson Wentz and a rookie head coach in Doug Peterson. But this Philly offense would get going early as the youngster Carson Wentz found wide receiver Nelson Aguilar from 58 yards out to give Philly the early 7 to nothing advantage. Then new Eagles running back LeGarrette Blunt would do his thing early in the, first, in the second quarter as he would score from a yard out to give Philly the 13 to nothing advantage as kicker Caleb Sturgis, Sturgis excuse me, missed the PAT. From that point, Philly appeared to be getting it going, but the Redskins' defense got them back into the game when outside linebacker Ryan Kerrigan picked off a winch pass and returned it 24 yards for the touchdown to make it 13-7. to Later on in the second quarter, Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins found Chris Thompson from 29 yards out to give Washington their first lead of the game at 14-13. to However, the Eagles would respond and as the first half ended, Sturgis was able to connect on a 50-yard field goal to give them the 16-14 to lead at the half. Now, it was 19-17 to in favor of Philly going into the fourth, and late in the fourth quarter, Sturgis connected on another field goal, this time from, 20, from 37 yards out, to give Philly the 22-17 to advantage. And it appeared that Cousins was attempting to put together a game-winning touchdown drive but the Eagles' defensive line, more importantly, Fletcher Cox, would have none of this as the Eagles forced a fumble of Cousins, and Cox picked it up and returned it 20 yards for the touchdown. Philly was up 28-17, to and after a Carson Wentz pass to wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey on the two-point conversion, made it 30-17. to Philly's defense was able to shut the door this afternoon on Washington as they went on the road and got a big win by the score of 30 to 17 and you look inside of the numbers philadelphia was very efficient on third down as they were 8 of 14 compared to just 3 of 11 for washington and that showed up in the time of possession as the eagles were able to keep the chains going and thus they possessed the football for more than 34 minutes this afternoon now you look inside of the individual stats, and for Carson Wentz, he had a solid game as he was 26 of 39 passing for 307 with two TDs and a pick, while Kirk Cousins was 23 of 40 for 240 yards. Zach Ertz stepped up big time today for the Eagles as he had eight receptions for 93 yards, while Nelson Aguilar chipped in with eight receptions and for 86 yards and a TD of his own. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, I'll tell you like this. This team got off to a hot start last year. They were 3-0 and with a rookie in Wentz doing his thing. But, you know, you look at it, they were right there with the NFC East competition last year. And I say that because the Giants and Cowboys were both playoff teams in 2016. 
Philly beat both of these clubs. And Carson Wentz has the it factor. And I think he was helped due to the fact that he played in a pro-style offense in college at North Dakota State. Then you come in and you play for a head coach in Doug Peterson, who is a solid quarterback coach. He was a quarterback in the NFL, and he was groomed to be a coach under Andy Reid. So once you factor all of that in, the Philadelphia Eagles are in good hands. They've done a solid job of drafting, putting pieces together around Wentz. You bring in a guy like Alshon Jeffrey. You also bring in LeGarrette Blunt at running back. And I think Philly has an opportunity to really do some big-time things this year. So this was a step in the right direction for them to really get this season going on the right foot. Now, on the flip side for Washington, you know, People want to say that Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback, but at the same time, you have people that want to tear him down. But I'll ask you, how good can any quarterback in the NFL be when the organization that he plays for allows his top two receivers from the previous year to leave town? Pierre Garçon is now with the 49ers, and Deshaun Jackson is with the Bucks. That simply is not going to get it done. I think this is going to be a very long season for Washington, and you're going to see a lot of frustration from this organization between now and January. Now, looking ahead to week number two for both of these clubs, Philly will be on the road to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, while the Redskins will be on the road to take on the Washington, or pardon me, the Los Angeles Rams. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now in Motown, you had the Detroit Lions kicking off their campaign by hosting the Arizona Cardinals. And the Lions, of course, were a surprise uh, entry into the postseason last year while the Cardinals entered 2016 with high expectations, but they never were able to live, live up to those. And Arizona got off to a strong start as it was their defense that really got things going as Justin Bethel intercepted a Matthew Stafford pass and returned it 82 yards for the score to give Arizona the early 7 to nothing advantage. It was 10 to nothing in favor of the cards heading to the second quarter when Stafford found wide receiver Marvin Jones from six yards out to make it 10 to six after Matt Prater missed the extra point. It was 10 to nine midway through the third quarter when Kerwin Williams scored from three yards out to give the Cardinals the 17 to nine lead. And this capped off a 12 play 94 yard drive for Arizona. However, the lions would not go away as later on in the third quarter, Stafford would find Theo Riddick from seven yards out to make it 17-15 to 15, as Detroit went for the two-point conversion and failed. However, the Lions would get their first lead of the ball game in the fourth quarter when Stafford found wide receiver Kenny Galladay from 10 yards out to make it 21-17. to 17. Detroit would once again go for the two-point conversion, but they would fail. And it was the Stafford to Galladay connection later on in the fourth quarter as this time Stafford found Galladay from 28 yards out 
for 45 yards out rather to make it 28 to 17. And this game was put on ice right after that as on the first play of the Cardinals next possession, a tip pass fell into the hands of Miles Killebrew who returned it 35 yards for the touchdown to make it 35 to 17 in favor of Detroit as they will go on to win this afternoon by the score of 35 to 23 and looking inside of the numbers this Lions defense stepped up today big time as they forced four turnovers from the Cardinals and the Lions were able to win in spite of the fact that they committed 10 penalties for 100 yards Carson Palmer was 27 of 48 passing today for 269 yards with a TD and three picks while his counterpart and Matt Stafford was 29 of 41 passing for 292 yards with four TDs and a pick. Larry Fitzgerald, the ageless wonder of wide receiver for Arizona, had six receptions for 74 yards, while Golden Tate led the way with for the Lions with 10 receptions for a buck 07. And, of course, we can't forget about the two big receiving touchdowns from one Kenny Galladay. And you look at this Lions team. They had that strong start last year. When they began with a record of nine and four, they lost their final uh, three regular season contests, and then they were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs by the Seattle Seahawks. And for head coach Jim Caldwell, he still has a decent team. This organization just gave Matt Stafford a ton of money to be the guy. So what better way to get things started on the right foot than go out there and get a big time team victory if you're the Lions to start the year? And if you're Arizona, you wanted to try to attempt to ill some of the wrongs that you had in 2016, and you didn't do it today. And because of that, now you've begun the season 0-1, and you got to try to get back on track in a hurry in uh, a division that definitely is going to be competitive with the Seattle Seahawks. And for Arizona, next week they'll be in the Midwest once again, this time when they travel to take on the Indianapolis Colts while for the Lions heading into week number two, they'll find themselves on Monday Night Football as they'll be on the road to face the New York Giants. And finally, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to take on the Houston Texans. And, of course, both of these teams and both of the regions that these respective teams play in have been dealing with hurricanes. Of course, Hurricane Harvey recently hit Houston, while Hurricane Irma is in the process of uh, channeling in on the great state of Florida. Now, for Jacksonville, they really went out there and dominated today. More importantly, it was their defense as they forced Texans head coach Bill O'Brien to bench quarterback Tom Savage in favor of rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson. But Jacksonville really dictated the pace this afternoon. They forced four Texans turnovers on the road and Jacksonville will go on and cruise to the 29-7 victory. And you look inside of the numbers for this contest, and you, you look at some of these early first-round picks that the Jaguars have had where guys have gotten injured not too long after they were drafted. These guys stepped up today. Miles Jack, the former standout linebacker for UCLA, had 14 tackles today. Calais Campbell the big free agent signing from the Arizona Cardinals had four sacks. Dante Fowler Jr., the former third overall pick of the draft, had a sack, and he had a fumble return for a touchdown. And as a team, Jacksonville had 10 sacks today. 
I don't think too many people took the Jaguars' defense in fantasy football, but I guarantee you those who did were happy. And for Tom Savage, it was not a good start. He was 7 of 13 passing for 62 yards. He was sacked six times, and then Bill O'Brien made the move to go to the rookie and first-round pick, Deshaun Watson. Watson was 12 of 23 for a buck 2 with a TD and a pick, but he himself was sacked four times, and there was no pixie dust for him to go out there and lead a, a memorable comeback in his first start. Leonard Fournette, the fourth overall pick of the draft, had a big impact today as he had 100 yards on 26 carries, and that was big because Jacksonville – had 155 yards on the ground. And why is that important? Because as long as Jacksonville can run the football, that means that's less opportunities for Blake Bortles to throw the football. And if Blake Bortles is not throwing the football as much, he's not turning it over either. Bortles was 11 of 21 passing today for a buck 25 with a TD. Most importantly, no interceptions and no sacks. And that's big because if you look at this Jacksonville organization, they have talent around Bortles. But the question is, can he be the guy? That is a big thing. And I think as long as the Jaguars can find a way to run the football, they're going to do that. Now you look at the Texans. This is a squad. They have a championship caliber defense. They can run the football. You have wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who is one of the best in the game. Basically, the Texans have everything set except quarterback, which is why they went out there and drafted Deshaun Watson. I don't think that Bill O'Brien wanted to play Watson right away. However, uh, due to the ineffectiveness of Tom Savage, I think Bill O'Brien had no choice, and he needed to go out there and see what the kid could do. And, you know, Deshaun Watson held his own. However, he was brought into a tough situation as the Texans were already in a 19 nothing hole, and it was going to be tough for him to bring, bring that team back. But I think he showed flashes of the potential for him and this organization going forward. Now, looking ahead to week number two for both of these teams, it's going to be a quick turnaround for the Houston Texans as they will be on the road on Thursday night football to take on the Cincinnati Bengals while for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they will be at home to host the Tennessee Titans. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, looking back at week one, what we saw today, The Buffalo Bills, they got off to a strong start, and I know it's still early, folks, but they are in first place in this division, and that's a big thing for the Bills. You know, you want to try to get as many wins as you can early to try to give yourself uh, some confidence. The same thing can be said for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they are in first place in the AFC South, and I don't expect the AFC South to be a strong division once again. Thus, the first team, the eight wins, more than likely – will win this contest. The fact that the Chiefs won on Thursday night and the Raiders won today really puts the emphasis on the game tomorrow night between the Chargers and Broncos because the loser of that contest is going to be the only team this week in the AFC West who did not win. And you you don't want to start on the wrong foot 
with the Raiders and Chiefs both winning as you'll be looking up against the competition within that division. Now, the same thing can be said for the Minnesota Vikings who play tomorrow night at home against the New Orleans Saints because both the Packers and Lions won today and you want to try to keep pace with both of those clubs. Uh, The same thing can be said for the New Orleans Saints because both the Falcons and Panthers won today, and, of course, the Bucs had their game postponed. So you want to try to go out there and keep pace with the winners. And it's the Rams who are in sole possession of first place in the NFC West as the Cardinals, Seahawks, and Niners all lost today. And if you're the Rams, you know that you're going to have to be wary of the Cardinals and Seahawks if you want to try to hang around in this race. So you definitely want to try to pick up as many wins as possible early in the season. Now, looking ahead to next week, of course, the Texans and Bengals will get it going on Thursday night football. And this is a battle of two teams who are definitely looking to get back on track. But for Cincinnati, they can't start 0-2, and more importantly, they cannot start 0-2 at home. Then on Sunday, you're going to have the Cleveland Browns traveling to take on the Baltimore Ravens, and I think that Cleveland is going to put together another solid performance. But putting together a solid performance and finding a way to win are two different things in the National Football League. The Buffalo Bills have to feel good about themselves after their victory today, and they'll be on the road in Charlotte next Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. And this is a game, I think this is going to be a throwback game because I think both of these clubs are going to look out there, to go out there and dominate the line of scrimmage, most importantly, running the football. Now you're going to have the Arizona Cardinals traveling to take on the Indianapolis Colts and after Arizona blew that game today with the Detroit Lions, they have to go out there and take advantage of the fact that Indianapolis will not have the services of Andrew Luck. Now you're going to have the Jacksonville Jaguars host the Tennessee Titans. And don't look now, but Jacksonville has an opportunity to go not only 2-0, and but 2-0 and in the division. Now the Philadelphia Eagles will take on a a somewhat familiar face and former head coach, Andy Reid. Of course, Andy Reid has not been the Eagles head coach since 2012, which means that a lot of the guys on that team were not there when he was employed by the club. However, Andy Reid always wants to try to find a way to beat his former team. You're going to have the New England Patriots at the Superdome in New Orleans taking on the Saints. And after, after the Patriots were embarrassed, at home versus the Kansas City Chiefs, they definitely want to get back on track as this, the defending Super Bowl champions don't want to begin the campaign 0-2. You're going to have the Minnesota Vikings traveling to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Pittsburgh will have the advantage due to the fact that they're number one at home. Number two, Minnesota will be coming off of a Monday night game, and for that, Pittsburgh really needs to go out there and take care of their business at home as they are already seven-point favorites heading into that contest. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will begin their season by taking on the Chicago Bears, and Tampa will be well-rested in that game while the Bears must find a way to not only get back on track but find a way to close out a, a contest when they have an opportunity to win. It's going to be the Miami Dolphins in L.A. to take on the Chargers, and this is going to be an historic day as it's the Chargers' first game in L.A. in more than 50 years. And, of course, the Dolphins did not play here in week number one, but they have to avoid all of those distractions out there in L.A. and get themselves a victory. You're going to have the New York Jets in Oakland to take on the Raiders, and Oakland is favored by two touchdowns over the Jets in this game. However, 
The team is set to go to Vegas soon, and I'm not sure how the fans out there in the Bay Area are going to receive this team when they take the field. You're going to have the Dallas Cowboys in Denver to take on the Broncos. Of course, the Broncos host the Chargers tomorrow night, while the Cowboys are currently up on the New York Giants late in the second quarter. And for this contest, it's all about running the football and playing solid defense. Which team is going to do it more than likely will be the one to win the contest. Washington is going to be on the road in Los Angeles to take on the Rams. And after the Rams got a big-time victory today, can they make it two weeks in a row by shutting a team out uh, at home? Now, you're going to have the Seattle Seahawks who are looking to get back on track as they will host the San Francisco 49ers. Seattle is favored by 12.5 points in this game. And after facing a tough Packers defense today, they definitely need to get back on track against the lowly Niners. Next Sunday night, it's a rematch of last season's NFC Championship game as you're going to have the Atlanta Falcons hosting the Green Bay Packers in the first NFL game at the brand-new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And for the Falcons, they, they found a way to win today, even though they weren't sharp at all times, while the Green Bay Packers defense definitely stepped up today, and they're going to have their hands full with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones next Sunday night. And finally, on Monday Night Football, you're going to have the New York Giants hosting the Detroit Lions. Both of these teams were playoff teams in 2016, and they want to try to each get off to a fast start in order to get back there for the second consecutive season. So, folks, that is going to do it for my recap of week number one here in the 2017 NFL season. And as always, I want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com. Now, I will be back on the air next Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, this time recapping week number two of the 2017 NFL season. You can continue to check me out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. And then, there, then of course, there is a Twitter page at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, much love to 150 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. She knows who she is. And without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. And always much love to my wonderful, beautiful daughter, Penelope. She's getting close to having that first milestone, and I'm talking about her first birthday. And I want to wish her the best and many more to come. So once again, fine folks, that's going to wrap it up. My name is William Martin. Take care. Thanks again for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com, and I will catch you on the flip side. (laughs) 